1: Hello cool, and welcome to another Record Celtic podcast My name is Daniel Caw I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports' Michael Gannon and Graham Young Guys, how are you? Season's greetings guys
0: <laughs> All Graham,
1: good mate, yeah, very well, how are you? Very good thanks, I, I'm pleased to see Mick has came dressed for the occasion Reindeer Christmas jumper on, looking good
2: My Rudolph jumper on, yeah I mean, trying to stay in Santa's nice list Fighting a losing battle I think unfortunately
1: a bit like last week, I thought we should maybe start with uh, a little World Cup update. How have you, how have you guys been finding it? I, I was talking to you earlier, Graham, and I, I definitely think it's it's just so weird. But being this time of year, and I don't know, it doesn't really feel like a World
2: Cup. I think it's been. I think it's been. I mean, to be honest, with you, at the start of it, I was a bit lukewarm, but then you know, I must have, might have got right into it. But once it got by the group stages, the knockouts have been really dramatic and good fun. That is weird. It's weird watching the World Cup with a Christmas tree in the background, isn't it? Ah, um, so weird, eh? I feel quite right. But I thought that I thought the the Argentina semi final gave us the 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 moment of the World Cup. I think now every World Cup's got a moment that you remember that World Cup for, whether it's Zidane's headbutt in two thousand six or Maradona's handball. You know? I think I think the Argentina semi final, Messi's um, assist for the third goal, is going to be the moment of the World Cup. It might be the moment that led to Messi winning the World Cup, or it might be the moment that led to Messi just missing out the World Cup. But I think that was that was the moment. It was a a global figure doing something really spectacular on the biggest of stages. That's given us our our Qatar-defining moment, I think. So that was was good to see, wasn't it?
1: I thought the Holland game was great as well. Holland-Argentina, that comeback and stuff. Um, And Morocco, we should mention as well. I mean, it's mad to think, we're recording this before they play France in the semi-final, nobody scored against Morocco. They've conceded one goal and it was an own goal. That's mad. That's absolutely insane when you think about it.
0: I think it's Aye. one of these underdogs that if you if you didn't if you didn't know they were underdogs you wouldn't know. Like they're well they're just brilliant, they're, they're excellent. It says this before a four nil France winning in hat trick but um no, they're really well organised. Good team. Like and everyone goes on about um like Greece as well. They're actually quite similar. Greece weren't even that negative that team in two thousand four. I'm showing my age here, but they were obviously well organised, but they always had a goal threat
2: and Morocco seems similar, so mm. um, uh, it's been good, it's been good fun, enjoyable watch. I, I don't like I don't like underdogs doing too well in, in these tournaments, I must admit. I like them doing well enough, I like them getting the odd win in the group stages. But I don't know, I mean, maybe the odd kind of last 16 or something like that. I don't like seeing the underdogs getting all the way to this stage, it does my head in. Um, when I mean, Croatia <laughs> get to the semi finals, how won one game, they beat Canada, that was only in the one. They're boring their way to the last four. When Morocco, all right, right, mean, that's, that's been a story, I suppose, isn't it? But again, one of the most exciting in terms of the way they play. I, I like I like my World Cup's I like the big guns coming together and and I must admit. Um so I'm a whole Prince of Argentina France final. I'd love to see the, the the Portugal the Argentina final, the Messi against Ronaldo final. I like to see that one. Um but no, I don't like I like underdogs doing well, but not that well, to be honest with you. Um especially at Croatia to my head in. At Croatia, I might be able people say oh there's a nation of only four million. We've got like five and a half for me. We can't even can, can, can get to these two Let we can get to the last four. Mm-hmm. It just shows us up even more how well they're doing in these competitions. I'm um, just do, do I mean, I, I a bitter, bitter, jealous wee man.
1: <laughs> I know we're recording this, as I say, just before France and, and Morocco play tonight. So if you listen to this in the future, you already know the outcome. But do, do we? are we all in agreement that it kind of looks like it's Messi's destiny to win the World Cup? Uh, may, may,
0: yes, but it's not just him. It's the fact that Argentina just like, they made it's not that's a point. That 2010, Manadona was the manager, and they were the most attacking. The Argentina side you'll ever watch. And they, were, they were hopeless because they couldn't keep anyone out. And Germany beat them in the quarterfinals. Um, but this team was just made a bunch of tough guys battling for him. They're, they're set up to win for Messi at 35 years age. So. I think mean, they've got a cracking chance, but same with France as well. But pikis fine unless Morocco eh, able to make a, a a surprise a surprise appearance. But we'll, I'm sure our listeners will probably know more than us by the time that he does. We'll wait and see what happens there.
1: Well, since the the last Celtic pod we we did, Mick, um one of the me I remember you and I were talking about how in Swanee as well. We were saying how we fancy Brazil. Now obviously, Brazil were sent, were sent, showed what we knew and they were sent plummeting out by Croatia. And man of the match in that game was Josip Juranovic, um, obviously Celtic right back. He's been in the headlines a lot since that game. William Gallas was one yesterday saying that he's the, forget Neymar, forget Mbappe. Juranovic has been the best player of the tournament for him. I mean, firstly, I mean is that a bit over the top? And secondly, is, should Celtic cash in now while
2: he's stock so high? Well, I think it's a wee bit over the top, in fairness. I think it's, uh, I think it's a, a match tournament. As uh, the best in the tournament, I, I, I don't know about that. I think Mbappe and well, Messi get, what, five goals and three assists? I think there's a few ahead of them on that list. Um, had a storm against Brazil, right enough. Um, I, I think it's inevitable that they certainly are going to cash in now, um, perhaps even in January. <clears throat> Excuse me. Especially as I signed Alistair Johnson as well, and, and the, Tony Ralston, who's still there, and, and more than capable of playing week in, week out. So I think if, if he is hot and he is looking for a move, think he's what is he twenty seven now as well? Maybe a chance for him to make a big move and, and earn a few quid and, and earn the club a few quid as well. It, it just seems to be that the, the pieces are all in place now um, for January. And uh, I don't think anyone would grudge it. Um, he has he's had a great World Cup, uh, but I think he's a good player anyway. I don't think it's just a kind of a kind of by chance. He's just a, came. It's not really came out of nowhere. He's a good player. And I think he will, he will, he will, he will go on and, and do well wherever he ends up. Um, so yeah, I, in terms of what they get for him, I, I, I don't think Celtic would get the kind of like twenty, thirty million um, pound. I don't think so. Maybe because his age and all that stuff, and I, I, I don't know. Um, I think that's a bit unlikely. Uh, I can understand why people would say, "Why not?" He's a World Cup semi-finalist and all that stuff. Um, I get that. But I, I still think that, that would be, if they can get if they get £10 million or above, I think they're doing good business for a fullback back that they signed, what, last summer? The summer before last, sorry. I think that'd be great business. Um, and I think they should get that as well. Because um, the World Cup does put a premium on them. I think there's no doubt about it. Um But if they can get £12 million for them, that's some bit of business for a guy, he signed for £2.5 quid, and he did well for the club. I think that'd be good, a good bit of business. No. um. If they can get more than that, if they get up towards twenty, then then fair play. Um, but I don't think there's any hurry. I think you should sit tight and see what comes in. Um, it's not even it's not even January yet, so I don't think they should jump at the first bid. Because um, you might find there's a there's a few a few clubs interested because it's um he's a very modern fullback. He can play a variety of positions. Uh, very versatile. If he plays that full-back role. He can overlap. He can underlap. He can play inverted as the, as the modern way. seems to like. He plays a lot like country that way as well. Um, so he has got all, that, all the attributes um, that, that clubs would be looking for. So, yeah, I mean, Celtic should, should sit tight and hopefully there's some kind of bidding war for him and that pushes up the fee even further. Uh,
1: Graham, what do you see his value being?
0: Um, I agree with Mick in the sense, I in the top, top Tierney money's probably not realistic just for varying factors. um, But I, th- I think the point there at the end, Mick said he's a very modern full That really rings true, and that's what he is. And Scouting as well, we talked about, I'm not trying to decry scouts here, but sometimes it is pretty simple what you're looking for in the model, a type of player. So he has played multiple different formations, he's very good, at tracking back, decent pace, and he likes to run with the ball. So that's appealing. Every Big club in the world. No, they can't spend 40, 50, 60 million in every position. Juranovic, battle-testing with a good Croatia team over the last two three years. Champions League experience with Celtic. It seems a kind of tailor-made signing and that kind of fits into that 12, 15, 12 to 15 bracket for me. Still got a long time left in his contract. Um, I, he just looks like the type of player. Do you know what kind of player he is? He's the type of player you'd be watching in the pub. See, he played for let's pick another league that's kind of say he played for Genk or Bruges or a team like that and you go oh, I wish, wish my team had a player like that that's the type of guy he is he's a, a very capable right back that's obviously destined to play in a higher league um, and that's that's good for Celtic and obviously Ange Postacoglu spoke at the AGM about bracing supporters for big players leaving and this is what it means this is it, getting guys in 2, 2.5 million, developing them playing well, selling on and um I did kind of caveat that Alistair Johnson, who I, I thought he was really good. I've got to be honest, I'm really impressed with him in the World Cup, eh, comes in straight after. So I think that kind of price bracket for me is where, eh, and I, I think the will know will know the value as well. I think they'll know the kind of market and the team's shopping. So I think that would be kind good business for all. I would
2: a bit a chuckle after, the, after, I think it P-match after the game the, in the quarters done one of these press conference things and he said um, listen I know I'm not a kind of, 20 to 30 million euro player and I'm just bashed it." laughing I thought if I was, was a Celtic press officer in that room they would be rugby tackle at that point <laughs> like, shut up <laughs> <laughs> shut up yes you are yes you are <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm a wee bit all over the place this one because like you were saying there, Graham I can see if you got 15 million for him like you were saying as well Mac. he's done well for the club <clears throat> amazing money, amazing profit. But then on the other hand, I think seeing the modern game, see for a big club, £20 million's are drop notion the ocean these days. I don't know if Celtic should maybe or well, this hype around him at the World Cup should maybe really try and hammer home. He's got a contract till twenty twenty six. I don't know if they should really milk it for everything it's worth.
2: Oh well, that's totally. Like, if they can get if they can get if they get, if they, say they get twenty million pounds from that'd be sensational business for a whole 10 uh, listen, day, listen, Everton signed uh, Nathan Patterson from, from Rangers for a, a fee up to 16 million quid. No, true, uh, nice. uh, but again, that's a young lad with potential who could go on um, again. So yeah, I, I take that I take that point totally. Um, it is the World Cup premium. And listen, you can understand why the club would do the business because Even 15 million quid, if that means they that can go and buy three, five, five million pound players, that's just huge savings for Celtic, a five yeah. million pound yeah. player. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's 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 very much works for for all parties. Listen, I think I'm, I said I did it the last time in the podcast. I don't quite understand the clamour to get me these bags packed at the door because um, I still can keep hold of them and i have got a good player on their hands. But there's less n- need for it now because they have got. I said nobody be worried about Anthony Ralston on a weekly basis playing in Scotland, and I said the new lad um, Johnson does look he does look the part, big strong, a big strong boy. Um, who, who could do who'll do a job on a weekly basis as well. So uh, uh, it's a good position for Celtic to be in. They've now got three full-backs. One of them is worth a good few quid in the back of the World Cup. So it's a nice position to be in.
1: You'd imagine, Graham, the fact that uh, Johnson is now his touchdown in Glasgow he signed. Celtic are expecting to do business with Juranic this uh, in January.
0: Yes, yes, hundred percent, and that's. But again, but it's almost that feel safe in it as well. You've got the fact that Celtic probably. I've been anticipating it in respect to the title World Cup Juranovic had on the back of this. I agree with the point you made, Daniel, in the sense that they probably can have a wee bit more uh, brinkmanship in terms of, as it comes right in negotiating to maybe get a wee bit extra than what they maybe initially anticipated. But at the same time, Celtic, I, I don't. I think, it, I, I think it is time to sell them because you've got that moment of having you in time. Who's to say what happens You're not going to three right-backs of that kind of quality. One's not going to be left out the squad. Seems the right moment. Well, you've brought Alistair Johnson in, and um, again touch it touches. So you about Posticoglu's transfer methods and the way he works. And the first last summer was about getting loads of guys in. Obviously, great eye for a player that lot, But now you can really see the not ruthless streak, but that kind of hands off in terms of the close players, but not too close, so it doesn't become too difficult to move potentially your animates or others on. In the future. It? This, I think that's probably the one thing, or, even though Celtic's so big in the past, we won Yama and Dembele, this, this is the first thing they've probably gone one window. Not early, but earlier than expected. So, if Juranovic does go, it, it, it definitely shows a new Celtic. The type of Celtic Postogoglu has been talking about, about teams like Bruges and Porto and whoever the teams that consistently qualify for the Champions League and make a making, medium waves anyway that Celtic would like to do in the future this is what these teams do they buy players at a small price sell them on keep bringing players in and uh, eventually it reaps rewards uh, if they keep progressing I think that this potential exit is tied completely to that strategy uh, Celtic been a bit more ruthless a bit more uh, cutthroat in terms of dealing, uh,
2: transfer dealings special outgoings I think I think Celtic have been burned in the past a wee bit I mean, the transfer business has been superb oh. through the years in terms of sales but they have missed the boat a wee bit with some guys in terms of how much they could have made. When you look back at, I think it was Edwards at one point was talking about 25, 30 million quid down south. Missed the boat for that one. Went for less. Chris Iyer, the season, probably too much as well. I think they went for bigger money. They went a wee bit earlier. Uh, I go back to my Dedrick Boyata. The £9 million bid getting knocked back and then he goes mm-hmm. for nothing not long after. So they've been burned a few times by holding on. These guys are a wee bit too long and their stock maybe diminishes slightly in terms of the when the when when i'll only get the context or dimension as well but if you if you strike well it's hot if you're confident i think i think with the manager of course the if you're a player who hints they wants to go elsewhere you're gone as far as he's I, I get the impression that as soon as you even suggest that to, to the manager i think thats you done you're at the door mm-hmm. you'll cash in right away and i don't think i think that's just the mentality he's got um and like and he has got a view of players that that is that you that you're, I'm not saying they're disposable, but he's like, right, if you're not wanting to be part of this, you're looking elsewhere, off you pop and I'll get somebody else in. Because he has got total confidence in himself that he can find a player that will will do a job as well. So there isn't the same kind of, I'm not saying stockpiling or or kind of hoarding players, but in the previous years, I think we've got a good one, we need to hold on to them as long as possible to win as much as we can, and then try and sell them at the right time. And they've maybe missed the boat a wee bit, whereas I think this time it's a case of, if you want to go somewhere else, then off you pop, we'll sell you, we'll buy somebody else. Mm -hmm. But I think, I agree I agree with everything Mick just said,
0: but I think this is one of these, I'm not saying trade. I think that he is ambitious. I don't think he's ever made top money in terms of wages. So they've got an ages that he wants to go and do it, totally get that. But I think there's always got to be that, this, this really suits Celtic to sell as well. Now that's not saying Juranovic will not be keen to try and sell in the top week. but this is a perfect time for Celtic to sell. Player age, what he's just come off the back and it's it, it makes sense for Celtic. Um, it's just a good deal, and then comes with that, a guy like Yanovich gets to challenge himself um, probably in a top week. That's why even the Torino link, I know they play in Serie A. I still feel if you've got these kind of mega clubs interested, even if you're part of the squad like Chelsea, Atletico, Madrid, to me that still would prove a bigger temptation. But obviously, the next few weeks will tell us everything.
1: Mm-hmm. I definitely, you mentioned the game, uh, Torino, today in Record Sport Online have been uh, the latest linked with Juranovic, but I definitely think there will be bigger clubs in for him. Uh, and obviously, it'll be, it will be—it won't be a boring month, that's for sure. Um, another transfer that's kind of looming uh, in the background—we uh, talked about it in the last pod as well. But George's Jackamakis today in Record Sport—he's been linked with a club in Saudi Arabia. Um, and I know there's obviously been reports that he expected a better deal. I mean, Graham, you went on the last pod, so I'll maybe start with you. Would you would you push the boat out to keep uh Jack and
0: Um, obviously we spoke there about the post way and how it deals with players and transfers. Yeah, you understand? So that's the general rule. But just as a player, um I think he's brilliant, honestly. I think I what a few times. And I know it's, it's just a hold up play, that's the thing is I still think Marcus' ability to give Celtic that extra dimension even in games he's no score I I still think he's such a vital commodity to this team so I I would obviously be keen but again if Celtic are looking for that profile of striker to potentially replace him that obviously changes the rules in that sense but purely in Marcus, I think when he came in there was this hesitation about his goal record like oh it's almost kind of counterproductive when somebody scores so freely in Holland it's almost like oh is is he actually good? And it very quick. I know the first few months were difficult with injuries, but I think as much as the one touch finish and his record on that front, it's actually his other parts of his game that you need to be careful when you say this, but Hartson, Sutton, Dumbelli would probably be the three standout strikers, robust Celtic strikers in the 21st century. And Jackie Mackis compares favourably because he's, he really is a handful. He brings, I, I think, the Shack to Donetsk game that night, he was the right. The one each game at home, he was the right call to start up front. Kyogo was the one who was uh, misplaced. They didn't need to be playing attack midfield. There's probably a better way to range the team. But I, I think Postacoglu's team, with all the passing and the movement, I think they get a, an authority when Jackie Mackis plays. He brings the Scottish element to their style. They're not just a pass, pass team. Um, and I would, I think, I think he'd be a must keep. But at the same time, these things move quickly. Celtic have got other strikers on the radar. I think maybe similar to Juranovic, I think it could be a thing that get paid top money, understandably. But I think he'd be a waste. I think he'd be someone a kind of you know like after Tottenham up, say, bottom three, bottom four team in England. But there is teams in the lower half-English football that to me would be a no-brainer signing. If it's a league, look at someone like Mitrovic, the goal he scored at the top end of the Championship, bottom eight, and now he's doing it for Fulham. I'd, I'd see no reason why not in Forest or a Bournemouth or a B-30 Bournemouth has got a couple of half-decent strikers. But that's the type of I, I, I'm a big fan always have been uh, and I think yeah, actually for all Kyogo's ability I just think is always brings something different I think he's a, a vital part of the Celtic team
1: Given Mick what you said there about um, Juranovic and if there's a hint that he wants to go as there definitely is around Jakimakis do you imagine that a, a partner of the ways is just inevitable? now? winner?
2: Uh, it does look that way <coughs> excuse me um, it does seem, seem to be the case um, Listen, you, get, you get a player who's maybe you know that that, that chuffed at not play every week, and who is what twenty eight, a couple of young kids, hasn't really made much money in the game so far in his career, um, and thinking he could do with a a, a bumper payday. So I, I I get why Jackie Marcus might be feeling a little bit uh, itchy about making a move somewhere. So I get I get it. Uh, I think I'm, I'm, I tend to agree with Graham. I think he's a, a real asset for Celtic, uh, especially uh, I like to say the, the, the domestic games. He yeah, adds a bit of a different dimension. To Celtic. I, I like the way Celtic play when he's in the team. Um, they tend to get the ball in the box a bit earlier and all that stuff. And uh, I think he's a he is a real asset. Um, I can see. Uh, likewise, I think I think he's tailor made for a team like the English Championship, We've got one, like a promotion chasing team, where, like, that dominates the ball and is in um, possession. I think he would, he would do a terrific job at that level. Um, which, by the way, makes him a very expensive commodity as well. At mm-hmm. that level, you I mean, talking a goal scorer like, like him, um, if there's a way to keep him happy and keep him in Celtic Park, I think they should try and explore it. I just don't think it might be too much water under the bridge now. I think, I don't know if it's maybe a, a, a slight clash with the manager. I don't know. He, listen, we don't know what happened behind closed doors. But you get the feelings frustrated about not playing every week. I mean, first choice, when he scores so many goals. But the way he's play, that he, he doesn't, he tends to be the kind of second choice, uh, and he's the one that gets brought in to give Kyogo a wee rest now and again, or if he's injured. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I think it's inevitable he will, he will, he will maybe make a move now. Um, but I, I think it'd be a mistake. But listen, you can't, you can't change the guy's mind. If that's the way he feels. There's not a lot you can do about it. Like I say, if, if you give that in- indication to the manager, you're not particularly happy. I get the impression right, you're off, off you off, you go, off you pop, we we'll bring somebody else in. Um, I just think he may like he'll end up one of these players that in 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 three or four years' time. People will say it's just a shame he didn't stay longer. Mm-hmm. I think that he may, he may end up one of those kind of guys that that, that folk think he was he was actually really good. Because um, goal scorers are really hard to find. I, mean, as I know it's the kind of I mean, big Jackie Marcus. He's not the most kind of um, he's not a lot of finesse with his game. Um, and his touch, I think, is a bit wayward at times. And his hold up play could be better. Um, but see if he can hold up, see he hold up the ball with, like they're certain and score the goals. Celtic wouldn't have him. He'd be, he'd be worth about 40 million quid. You wouldn't really <laughs> buy him. Yeah. So he's a bit rugged around the edges. And he's, he's, he's touched a bit wonky, bit commune again. But he does score a ton of goals and he gives a presence up front. Um, so he's a guy that I think Celtic would miss once he's gone. Um, but if you get a few quid from him and he's not happy, then I think that's just the way it goes, isn't it? Sometimes.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think moving on from a, a little transfer roundup. Um, another big piece of news relating to Celtic that we, we didn't manage to, to get in the last podcast, but I think we should maybe touch on it, um, is the return of Peter Lawley, um as chairman. Um, obviously, really big news, replacing Ian Bank here. Mick, would you, I mean, I, I don't even know what to ask you, but what do you think he'll bring? We well, you know what he'll bring, but I, I don't know. I feel like you get, what I'm trying to get...
2: Sorry, it's, uh, not, it's not exactly a big surprise put it that way. Um, I'm gonna to have to edit that. I don't think anyone is, is, is shocked and stunned that he's, he's returned as chairman. Um, I think he gets a bit of a raw deal sometimes from fans. Peter Lowe, I mean, I think that the, the 10 of season obviously went to pot and didn't, didn't work out well for a variety of reasons, and he could have copped a lot of flack for that. But don't forget that he's been in charge as CEO. During a time of utter dominance, I mean, twenty years of absolute dominance. I mean, Celtic have pretty much mopped up um, through the whole period. I mean, the last twenty years for Celtic, the trophies they've they've won, they've never never had that kind of period of success or had a long period of time in their in, their, in their lives. So I I think you see you mentioned the transfer business through the years as well and making lots of money, the clubs financially secure and all these things. These are all things that are not to be taken for granted. Um, so, listen, there's been some mistakes. I think I think. When you look back over the, especially the kind of nine-in-a-row year, uh, years, I think it's an opportunity missed in terms of Europe. I mean, they basically had a free run at the Champions League for, for nine, ten years and and didn't really capitalise on it. And I think that was the one, maybe one regret from that period. Um, I think three or four appearances in the group stages wasn't enough during that nine, ten-year period, especially when that, that Champions route was open to them as well. And I think that was an opportunity missed when you see the teams that, that, that put them out. Uh, through that time, so I get that that frustration. But listen, it's a guy. It's a guy who knows how to run a football club. Who knows what's involved in, in keeping the, the the club stable and secure and, and wheeling and dealing. And he also has a lot of um, uh, influence in the European stage in terms of the shifting sands of the the European leagues and the the, the Champions League getting rejugged again. He knows that the guys and the presses of the flesh with these guys in the corridors of power. So I don't think you can see Lowell as anything other than a big asset for Celtic, really. I mean, the chairman role is, is different to the CEO role. Uh, role, obviously, you'd think he'll have an influence as well, with um, because he's he's such a huge character at Celtic. So it's impossible to see him not have an influence in, in that sphere. Um, but I don't, I I, 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 struggle to find out why that should be a problem. Do you know what I mean? Really, mm-hmm. um, because he's got that experience and clout and presence that the club have had for twenty years, and it's and it's worked for them. So I don't, I, I, I don't. I can sometimes see some of the gripes from fans, but I think some of it's a little bit um, unwarranted. And I think it's a it's a, a, a big figure who can, can still play a, a vital role at the club.
1: I, and by no means, Graham, saying that he's perfect, Peter Lowell, but I do, I'm do. i a bit like Mick. I, I struggle to see why he gets such a raw deal off, off an, an element of the support.
0: Um, I think that's fair. I, the, the bit I really wanted to pick up on Mick, that Mick mentioned there's the European element, and, the, and then tying into the fact about the roles difference—a chief executive, completely different chairman, more like a custodian, man like the table, a representative of the club—and that is basically as much as Peter Lowe's left when he finished his chief executive um, last summer. He's been a representative in the ECA board, and that's. Bigger than you could even imagine, with the way things have been shifting in the last couple of years. The, the, the second attempt at the Super League—that's doomed to fail as well. If it wasn't before the the, the news about Juventus, and that's obviously to rumble on, it probably was before anyway. I think it's—I think UEFA feel pretty confident. But his insight and knowledge of where the Champions League's going is a genuine asset. He's, he, he, he's got um, an ear to a guy like Edin Vandersar The two of them are often viewed as the two. Most powerful kind of decision makers out with the top five leagues at club level, um, and then you've got the fact that as a different role, he is of without trying to put it, age on him. He's at an age where it's not a full time, it's more of the chairman as a different role, like Ian Bank here It's a different set of eyes. I think he can be valuable at the club without a doubt. Without a doubt, he's, he's experienced the experience, the length of time he's been at the club, and to be fair, I think with Ange, the level up not power even, but the control. Celtic are moving in a different direction and it feels like it's manager-led on the basis of the stuff we've spoke about already in the podcast in the centre. Eh, a bit more cutthroat in terms of transfers. Where Celtic are trying to go, I think that ties into, again, the other point Mick made about the missed opportunity. There's no doubt even Peter Law's biggest backer can deny that Celtic record a no-knockout without a knockout a knockout stage victory in Europe in 20 years of heading for 20 years is nowhere near good enough, it's an appalling record but the way is moving I don't think, that I think that's the direction of travel, maybe even past Ange of um, like, emulating the kind of clubs you want to be in Europe and I think that record will change the way things are going um, and I, I, I think Peter Law will be a valuable voice I think, and going back to what both you and Mick said, obviously I think fans have got rights to I would I, I they're there for having complaints but I think as you say especially his element in the European sense his length of time in the club I, I think it'd be a bit of a disservice to make it sound like it's some kind of catastrophic move far from I think it'll be a very important addition to the board in terms of the way Celtic's moving forward Michael Nicholson as well that's the thing Like after Dominic McKay left saw Michael Nicholson he was the guy who was there before he's proven I think I think fans are quite taken by the way Michael Nicholson's doing his business. He's pretty agile. He's pretty modern. Um, it's a different. It's a few different positions with familiar faces, but I think overall Celtic look a pretty strong uh, foot, and especially based off the manager and the people he's working with. So um, I, I kind of tend to agree with the stuff that's already been said.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, I'll probably finish off this podcast by looking ahead to an actual Celtic fixture, which is refreshing. Um, Saturday, Patojri. Uh, it'll be a tricky one, Mick, but one to whet the appetite, definitely. And Callum McGregor's back fit as well.
2: It's a fantastic game to, to come back to. I mean, this week, uh, Rangers-Hibs, Aberdeen-Celtic, a couple of cracking fixtures at the top of the bill um, to come back to. Um, this could arguably be Celtic one of Celtic's toughest matches of the season, by the way. Uh, the timing of it come back after the break. Um, Aberdeen at Patojri this season have been terrific. I think they've, they've won six out of seven at home scored the same amount of goals at home as, as Celtic and Rangers a game less as well, so that they're, they're, they're a formidable side on their own patch this season, Aberdeen. they've added goals to their game and attacking football um, which in the past they've been kind of criticised for being um, a wee bit negative at times against, against Celtic and Rangers, but I think this is a really tough game for Celtic coming back still missing a couple of players obviously um, from World Cup duty and all that stuff Um it's a real dangerous, dangerous match to come back to. Um, so, yeah, it's a venue that, that Celtic have had a couple of crucial... In last season, you look at the kind of staging posts along the way, last season title win, the one in October up there when when, when Coglu was under a wee bit of pressure from, from partners back at that point. I mean, I think at that time, hadn't won a game away from home yet. Uh, a couple of dodgy results here and there. There's question marks of the, the, the team's kind of um, mentality under pressure. They go up there and score. I think it was Jota scored late on, didn't he? Oh, it was Jota. yeah. yeah. He got a 2 one, one. And that, that was viewed... He'd himself. See, that, was a, that was a real turning point in the season. They never really looked back. Um, and back up there again, I think they did not have a two-goal lead that surrendered up there as well and then come back and won again. Kind of fairly late, late on. Um, so they, they were two huge victories up there, but they were really hard to be dug out. Um, and I think it could be more of the same on Saturday cause I think I think... Um, Aberdeen will think this is a good time to catch Celtic straight after the break I mean, when it's, uh, it's going to take teams a wee bit of time to find their feet again mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's a real it's a cracker I, 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 don't, I don't think it's a banker for Celtic, Celtic that's for sure no.
1: and Graham, we've talked about the World Cup we love it in that but it's great to see domestic football back in it oh,
0: fantastic this is a Max nailed his proper cell job there doing it I think Sky and Mr. trick me <laughs> and, I know I it's Aberdeen the thing Denny McKinnis is way under way underrated for what he achieved at Aberdeen over the years, right? But fundamentally, towards the end, it was getting a bit stale. Jim Goodwin has managed to really need two strikers, Duke and Miowski. Don't see many strikers arrive in Scottish football. And they've got two of them. Um I think Max Nailed it'll it a cracking game. Um and you're right with Celtic. The fact that off the break, you assume they'll be able to just ready to go again, but doesn't work like that. First game of the season, Aberdeen Possegoglu was um, expecting more from his team. It, didn't believe they were at their levels. There's no way you can expect them to be at their levels on uh, Saturday. Uh, but it's that kind of intrigue. But I think what suits Celtic, it's going to be really difficult, but what suits them is the fact this is probably the most attack-minded team they'll face out with Rangers and probably last three, four years. Like they're really, like not gung-ho, but they, they really go for it Aberdeen. They're not going to take a backward step. Um, and, and the two strikers are really good, especially Lopez. That's the kind of player who probably drew his record the Benfica. Came through with Jota, but he's going to play at a really high level. He's he's really, really good. And uh, mm. I know Mioskis gets a good name as well, of course, but everything I've seen a Duke so far, I've been really, really impressed. So, I can't game at the weekend. And uh, Swanee Swany had a good piece during the week then. I thought about Matt O'Reilly and Eileen, just about how he's kinda of playing for goals again. I think if he goes out of position and uh, Saturday, I just fancy A'railey have kinda of big say. So I think it'll be similar to two games last year. A couple a goal here or there, but I think it'll be Celtic will get it. Um, and it's uh, just an absolute absolute cracker, it'll be very good.
1: Aye, absolutely. Well the game's on Saturday and we will be back next week with another record Celtic podcast pouring over the result um, Mick Graham. it's always a pleasure thanks very so much for joining us
2: good stuff, guys all the best it's your
1: and we will be back next week thanks for listening